0: This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome back to Breaking Pod, everybody. We are here with another episode of the podcast. Today, we are talking about Season 4, Episode 11, called Crawl Space. I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, co-founder
0: podcaster extraordinaire Zach Zach how are you I'm doing very well I'm glad that you uh, you made that slightly more subdued introduction just, succinct. Than, just <laughs> succinct just succinct still ridiculous but a little more succinct uh <laughs> I'm also very excited Josh because this episode is one of the best it's so yeah, good it's great it's, it's so great. good do you happen to There's know so where many... this ranks in the ringers list of Breaking Bad episodes
1: I don't know we should look that up I, I would assume it's I'm gonna guess Do you know
0: I don't I'm going to look it up I'm going to guess number six that's my guess
1: okay I'm going to guess top 10 Uh, I'll give it number nine that's my guess I will say yeah this this episode is great and it's one of those things where a lot of different things happen but they all just the only the only reason it gets brought down is because of the involvement of Ted Beneke but he does get his comeuppance in this episode and so for that I would rank it a little bit higher
0: all right, well, I'm looking it up now. I will have an answer for you by the time we finish the two-minute summary.
1: Yeah, so let's go into the two-minute summary. We're not, we're not going to beat around the bush here. We're just going to get into this. There's a lot of stuff to talk about in this episode. So here is the two-minute summary, courtesy of a writer on Wikipedia. Gus survives the poison, and Mike must stay in Mexico for a week to recover. Gus tells Jesse he can run the lab now, but Jesse tells him not to kill Walt. Ted still refuses to pay the IRS with the money from Skyler until Saul's henchmen intimidate him. Hoping to stop Hank's investigations into Gus, Walt deliberately gets Hank into a car accident, but Hank is undeterred. Walt realizes Jesse has been cooking without him, but Jesse is unmoved when Walt confronts him and begs him to stop. Gus takes Walt to the desert and fires him, informing him that Hank will be killed and that Walt's entire family will be murdered if he interferes. Walt desperately prepares to have the family disappear, but suffers a breakdown when he realizes he does not have enough money because Skyler gave it to Ted. Marie calls Skyler to tell her that the DEA have received an anonymous tip from Saul that Hank is a target again, and he is put under protection. I should point out that's the end of the summary. I should point out that the from Saul is in parentheses, so Marie does not know that, but we as the audience know that that's where the tip came from. That is the end of the two-minute summary. Zach, what grade do you give this?
0: I don't know, this is a C minus. It doesn't read okay. very smoothly. It's uh it, it's it's pretty choppy. Um they don't they they they, they don't do it at all what the previous author did from last week's episode um where uh where they sort of, you know, re-sequence the scenes for us. Um yeah. and also uh they end with some passive voice with uh Hank he is put under protection. By who? Who puts him under protection? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they also some basic errors. They,
1: they also end on something that yes it does happen at the end of the episode. I don't think it's probably the most impactful thing that happens at the end of the episode. In fact, if you were to ask me before I rewatch this episode how it ends, knowing the title Crawlspace, I would have said that it ends with Walt. And I guess it does. Does it end with him the 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 shot pulling back? Is at the very end of the episode, I think yep, where the yep. camera's pulling up. But I, but I would think that that I don't I don't remember or didn't remember before that there's this whole part where you cut to you know, Marie frantically calling Skylar. So yes, it's important, I guess, to include in the summary. Is it the most important thing? Probably
0: not. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Um, it, it certainly adds to the drama of that moment for Skylar, but, you know, we we know what's going on, so it yeah. doesn't really do much for the viewer. Um, yeah. So I did look that up uh, about Breaking Bad and the Ringer definitive listing. Uh, I said number six, you said number nine, Josh. You nailed yeah. it. It is number nine. Wow. Yeah. So crawl... I don't know if I've I've read the rankings before. I don't
1: know if it was a subconscious thing in my head that I just remembered it was number nine, but definitely top ten.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. So it's, it's it is number nine in this list. Uh, you just mentioned that ending shot of Walt, uh, you know, zooming out from Walt as he is in the crawl space under the house. Um, the Ringer says that basically, you know, I I won't read these for some spoilers here, but it, it says like there are some iconic scenes in Breaking Bad that we think of when we think of Breaking Bad, and then this this goes on to say. Um when we think of crawl space, before we recollect the brilliant specifics that lead Walt to the burrow beneath his home, we can recall with unfractured clarity the episode's haunting closing image. Walt lying, covered in spiderwebs and filth and his own failings, utterly defeated, entombed as though in a coffin of his own making, as the camera, like Skylar and all hope, pulls away. We can hear Walt's frenzied screams and maniacal laughter as he learns that Skylar gave away the money he now needs to help his family flee to safety amid Gus's pursuit. We can feel Skyler's dread as she answers a call from Marie, petrified for Hank's life, following a DEA tip call that a desperate Walt asked Saul to facilitate. It's one of the most unnerving and harrowing consequences or sequences in a series defined by them, and one of the final moments when we allow ourselves to believe that Walt might escape, only to see him sink into the dirt and his despair as though into hell. That that uh that is by Mallory Rubin, which explains why Mallory Rubin is the editor in chief of The Ringer. She's very very yeah. good. <laughs>
1: huh that's that was a much better written than this wikipedia <laughs> summary right.
0: we should just copy and paste that including mallory yeah. mallory rubin's byline and just put it into the yeah. wikipedia description that would be much better um yeah so i mean while while we're on this topic should we just talk more about that that kind of laughter and that scene there and uh yeah and just kind of go into that because there's so much to talk about there
1: yeah I, you know i i had initially I th- i think that you had initially picked this as your best scene. And I had initially picked it as my best moment. Um, we'll, we'll listen to a little bit of the scene first, but then I, I wanna explain why it was my best moment and not my best scene. And then we, will, uh, we can talk a little bit more about it.
0: The money, Skylar, where is the rest? Skylar, where is the money? I gave it to Ted. You, you did what? Walt, I'm I had to. For us, for the family. I swear. You, Walt. You gave our money to Pennick. Walt! Please, please just hear me out, please. Ah! <laughs> <sighs>
1: yeah so that is uh that's a pretty powerful pretty powerful scene but the reason i chose it specifically as my best moment i don't know if we've we've ever really uh differentiated between what best scene, best writing, best moment is, but in my mind, my thought is that it doesn't quite crack best scene because the audience is already aware of all of this information. We already know that that Skylar gave uh, Ted the money. It's just that Walt doesn't know. So as an audience member, it's, a, it's compelling because we're seeing the result of these actions, but we already know all of the information. The choice that i ultimately made for my best scene is something that we don't know it's a it's the confrontation between walt and gus in the desert which we'll talk a little bit more about later but it's new information for the audience and so for me the more impactful scenes overall or the ones that drive the plot forward most are ones that we as the audience and the characters at the same time are learning more information if that makes any sense
0: no it totally does and i agree with you i um you know, when I saw that you had selected this as best moment, I was like, you know what, that that is actually I think a best moment for the reasons that you described. I also think of best scene as as capturing, you know, some aspects of cinematography, camera angles, lighting. And I think this the scene in the desert is more impressive from that standpoint. Um, yeah. although, I mean, this crawlspace scene certainly has something to commend for it. I mean, Walt is, you know, as Mallory Rubin said, he is laying there in kind of, you know, filth and Literally covered in spider webs. There's a spider web, uh, cobweb on his forehead, and then the camera, you know, pans away from him. The only other time in this series that we've seen that I think is when uh, Jesse shot up on heroin, and we had the camera kind of zooming away from his face. Um, so there's a there's a sort of like detachment from reality implication there. Perhaps um, there's there's perhaps a sort of um, uh, an image of hell right as Walt is in the basement looking looking through the entrance to the crawl space which almost looks like a window right but it's as if he can't escape and the, the camera's zooming away from that so there's certainly a lot of stuff staging wise to, to commend this scene um, but I think more powerful than that was the was the writing uh, and certainly the execution between Anna Gunn and Bryan Cranston but but the writing the juxtaposition uh, you know with even the, the phone call sort of capping that dialogue um, but the maniacal laughter you know I'm, I don't I haven't seen the script for this episode I'm just imagining how this was written in by the screenwriters, um, and I think it's just, it's masterful, that, that maniacal laughter is so chilling.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about the laughter because when I was watching it, you know, this is my second time re-watching the show, it reminded me a little bit of the maniacal laughter that the character of the Joker does in the Batman series. And, you know, I was trying to think about why the Joker has that laughter and it's sort of i think it's sort of representative of his insanity his sort of outlook uh you know his his anarchy towards the world he doesn't uh, he doesn't seem to think that anything matters you know and i think that what we're starting to see here is that walt is entering this phase of like well this is at the point at which nothing matters everything i've done for my family doesn't matter You know, everything that I wanted to accomplish doesn't matter. This is what his life has led to. And so I think that the only emotion that can come out is this sort of this haunting. Cackling, like high pitched laughter. And it reminded me totally of the Joker.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to jump off, though, from your use of the word haunting, because what it reminded me of is a scene from, you know, something like the exorcism of Emily Rose. Um, where there is an exorcism and the demon has this um, sort of cackling laughter. I mean, in the, you can, you can definitely imagine that that scene where Walt is lying there, you know, first screaming in, in agony and fear, and then just cackling and laughter. You can imagine that being like an, an exorcism scene almost. And what you said about the Joker was really interesting though, right? Because the, his, his mania is symptomatic of his like anarchy, right? And, and, And the word anarchy means basically like against order Uh, because you think of like a hierarchy is, you know, by definition, by definition, by definition, order. Uh, So anarchy is someone who is a, uh, or anarchy is a state that is against order or defined by a lack of order, by a lack of, you know, meaning, Uh, you know, for the same, the same reason that um, uh, that Benedict XVI um, as Pope of the Catholic church described Satan as an unperson right he wasn't saying that Satan's not real Satan is certainly real uh, but he was saying that that Satan lacks the sort of like integration and order that defines God's creation it's exactly why um, evil is the you know the absence of good rather than something that is sort of like a, a positive existence in and of itself and so I'm getting kind of metaphysical here but what I think what I'm trying to get at is Walt's laughter to me represents his sort of complete, surrender to the forces of meaninglessness that he's been sort of toying with throughout the entire series and i don't think we're the first people that well i know we're not the first people to sort of come to that conclusion because as i was looking through the breaking bad fandom uh wiki on this uh there are the people who who posit that this is kind of the definitive turning point for walt we've talked before about these inflection points in the series where something changes in walt and he sort of Goes down a path that he wasn't on before, and this is, if you will, the point of no return. You know, it's the point where the sort of the, the sort of demon inside finally comes out. Uh, not comes out in the sense of exiting, right? But like manifests itself, um, and and does sort of embrace that ultimate meaninglessness in a very scary and chilling way.
1: Yeah, and the other thing about the scene that I think is so impactful as a moment specifically is you know when Walt is screaming at Skyler and when he's saying where's the money and when he lets out his sort of guttural uh, you know exasperation Skyler is sort of still leaning in to sort of you know they're 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 going mano a mano they're fighting each other when he starts to laugh that's when she pulls back that's when she sort of recoils and it's it's interesting because you know you think of laughter as a good thing most of the time But in this case, just it's it's serving the complete opposite. And I think that it's almost like scarier laughing. The the laughing here is scarier than Walt screaming at the top of his lungs at Skylar. And I think that and, and I think that it's sort of one of those things because it's unexpected. It's like, why is this guy laughing all of a sudden? And I think that's why the character of the Joker in the Batman series. That's why he's scary, because he's laughing when everybody else is is scared and cringing and and cowering. And you're like, why is this? It's it's like insanity. And so I think that that is sort of what Skyler's reacting to here with Walt is like, is my husband insane now? I don't really know what's happening at this moment.
0: Well, when you think about why he's laughing, you know, what are the specific things that he's thought about that are making him laugh? And, you know, I, I wonder if it could be, you know, he could be laughing at the uh, the tragic irony of what we already talked about that he's been working for this money to save his family and then ultimately it's the money that destroys his family. He could be laughing at the fact that, you know, Ted Beneke is someone who he felt threatened by for so long and then through some strange sequence of events, it's Ted Beneke who now has possession of over $600,000 of, of Walt's money. Uh, it, it could be any of those things, but the, the fundamental sort of uniting principle behind all those is that he would be laughing at the sort of, uh, the tragic irony and probably randomness of those things, which again, I think lends credence to our hypothesis that this is his embrace of, of anarchy and meaningless and uh, meaninglessness and disorder and incoherence.
1: Yeah, definitely. Do you think he's, do you think also in the back of his mind, he's thinking about that guy from, from the waiting room, man plans, God laughs. And he's like, Haha, he was right. He was totally right
0: he's gotta be he's gotta be no I think it does I think it does uh yeah I mean I guess there's a it's probably going too far into it not that we haven't done that before but you know make plans and God laughs we criticize that as being just like a a trite thing that people say that means almost nothing but um now this is Walt laughing uh and he's doing that because he has in a very real sense sort of made himself into his own God uh, and the universe around him is, is meaningless.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else on this, this final moment here before we move back to best scene and best writing?
0: No, I think that's it for me. All
1: right. Well, we both picked the same best scene and this is uh Walt and Gus out in the desert. And I think that honestly, I think that when our uh, scenes and moments and writing tend to match up, that tends to, to, speak to our audience to say that these are certainly some of the most impactful scenes in the episode so zach i'll let you set this up just what is the scene and and how did we get here
0: yeah so we got here because gus really wants to kill walt because walt is a loose end and as a loose end poses a threat to gus uh but jesse won't let him right and so jesse said uh, two episodes ago um, if you're gonna, if you want to kill Walt, you have to go through me. And so Gus recognizes, um, or at least believes, that killing Walt's not a legitimate option. And so he takes him out into the desert to basically scare him straight and say, "You're done. I never want to see you ever again. And if you make problems for me, uh, I will make sure that they get solved." And uh, and Walt obviously resists that. And then Gus lays out explicitly what will happen uh if if uh walt does not get into line
1: you have failed now is left to me to deal with him you can't if you try to interfere this becomes a much simpler matter i will kill your wife i will kill your son i will kill your Infant daughter. Yeah, so you know what I what I find interesting about the scene is that when Gus initially brings him out there and he says, You're fired, Walt stands up to him and he says, Or what? What are you gonna do? And it's because he knows that Jesse, you know, he basically says, If you could have killed me, you would have done it already. But then Gus sort of one-ups it from there and he says well, I don't have to kill you, but I can kill everybody you care about. And I think that really is what turns Walt here from sort of feeling confident to feel. And I don't really know why he doesn't think about this. It's like, why hasn't he considered the fact that Gus would go after his family? It's not as if Gus hasn't shown the ability to kill the bystanders to prove a point, as we saw in Box Cutter when he you know, kills someone to prove a point to someone else. And this is just a more extreme version of that. So I'm not exactly sure why Walt uh, doesn't initially, why he doesn't act more remorseful or more contrite at the beginning of the scene. Like, why doesn't he just say, okay, great, I'm fired. And then try to, if he really wants to get rid of Gus, then think of a plan after that. It seems like a strange sequence of events for Walt as a character.
0: Yeah, no, I completely I completely agree with that. Um, I think that this scene is interesting for those reasons, right? Like Walt's, Walt's standing up to him and then, and then Gus is like, yeah, but I can kill people you like. I might not be able to kill you, but I can still go after people you like. And it's almost like, Walt, didn't you think of that before you talked back to this guy? Yeah. Um, it's so weird. I was also going to ask you, um, if, if you if you feel a sort of like, um, I don't know, sort of like admiration or... Uh, respect for, for Gus. Like, I feel bad for saying that because Gus is a terrible, terrible dude. But, you know, I, I think I sort of, in some ways, admire the character of Gus more than I ever admired the character of Walt. And I'm not totally sure why that is. But, but Gus is like, you know, he does his work professionally. He seems to have, it's obviously a very distorted sort of code of ethics and a mode of doing business. But it's professional. He gets the job done, etc. And so... In the Gus versus Walt face-offs, I always find myself kind of, you know, siding with Gus and like hoping Gus gets the better of Walt versus the other way around. Do you have the same thing, or maybe the reverse?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I necessarily feel feel that towards Gus, mainly because if you think about it, Gus is very much the kind of boss or manager who wants things to be most efficient, and I think that what I What I dislike about him as a character, and I think what what the writers of the show want you to dislike about him is that he doesn't really have care for other people, certainly if they're loyal to him, he will protect them. But if you think back to, you know, season three, how he got into this whole back and forth in the first place is that he didn't like that Jesse was a drug user and he didn't really believe that he could be redeemed. Now, obviously he's turned Jesse at this point against Walt and you know, he's using him at this point, but had he had more humanity towards Jesse in the first place, You know, Walt and Jesse wouldn't have had to kill Gail because Gail wouldn't have been primed to take over for them. And and so I think what makes Gus an unlikable character and the reason why I can still sort of get behind Walt sometimes is because it's very clear that despite Walt's poor motives and certainly poor execution of certain things, he really does care for people in his own twisted way like he does love and care for his family now that might be shifting a little bit as we move forward in the series but he also cares about jesse and i think that gus doesn't care about anybody unless they help his bottom line and so for me he's more of like a robotic character and i'm not saying that as uh, not the acting or the actual character himself but but his motivations are very much driven by how can i preserve my own well-being and my you know, businesses and, and income. And so for that reason, I find it a little harder to, to get behind him as a character.
0: Yeah, that'll make sense. I, I like what you said about him being robotic and and maybe that's kind of like partly why I like his character more than Walt's because Walt is sort of messy and, uh, for lack of a better word, melodramatic and, complicates things whereas Gus just knows what he wants to do and gets it done and he's sort of he's uncomplicated by um by questions of human relationships now that obviously that doesn't make like that doesn't make me want to you know sit down and have a beer with this guy it just it just um I guess I just sort of admire his acumen for those reasons but I also yeah, think there's I would, a- I
1: would not recommend having a drink because you know what he does drinks as <laughs> we learned last episode
0: good point dad especially not tequila <laughs> yeah um I, I think it is it is interesting though like In some ways, I feel like, you know, I'm duped by Gus's newfound appreciation for Jesse, right? I mean, but like you were saying, he never had any regard for Jesse until Jesse had something that Gus needed, right? Right, exactly. Um, But I think it's easy to sort of to read that differently and be like, yeah, Gus took Jesse down there, but Gus had a plan to, you know, have Jesse's blood ready to go as well. But why is that? It's really because Jesse was... Is his cook, right? And so yeah, he wants Jesse exactly. to survive so Jesse can cook for him. It's not like he actually cares about Jesse. I mean, I haven't seen any reason that to think that Gus cares about Mike either, for that matter. And Mike's been working right. for him for as far as we know, years. Yeah. And the other thing that I'll say
1: about Gus is there's something that's really eerie about the way his character operates.
0: I agree. And, yeah. And, that's and true.
1: you and you see it in two places specifically that I'm thinking of here. The first is in Box Cutter, when he comes in and he's gonna he's gonna perform the unfortunate murder and he's very precise with everything he does he takes off his jacket he makes sure that it's that it's you know properly hung up you see the same thing in the previous episode in salud when he takes off his jacket to vomit in the bathroom and he's folding it nicely there's something really eerie about that like yes there is a difference between someone who's sloppy and someone who's who's not sloppy but there's there, he takes it to an extreme that's You know, his tie is always perfectly tied. You know, there's a scene in the prequel Better Call Saul where he is instructing one of his employees at Los Poyos Hermanos to clean the fry basket. And the kid spends like four hours scrubbing the fry basket. And it's never good enough for Gus. There's something that's weird about that. And I think that that has always made me uneasy about him as a character.
0: No, that's a really good point. I mean, it's certainly an indication that he is... Uh, a sociopath because he you know is in the midst or in the act literally of killing 10 men uh and he folds his jacket nicely and then very calmly you know puts the towel on the floor to kneel down so he doesn't hurt his knees (laughs) etc uh and that is you're right it's totally disturbing uh in you know in a way like it might be disturbing when walt kills as well but he does it he does it like with passion in a way that you can tell he's conflicted and he's not sure if he wants to do it, et cetera. Whereas Gus is just, just purely mechanical robotic, like you said.
1: Right. And especially if you think about like the difference between, for example, Jesse pulling the trigger with Gail versus Gus. Yeah. You know, good point. Wielding the box cutter. And, and it's funny that those not funny, but it's interesting that those episodes book in each other. The one is the end of season three. The other is the beginning of season four. And you see this vastly different you know, approach to doing these two things. They're both the same act, which is killing another human. But the way that the characters who have empathy approach those things, you know, is totally different than Robot Gus. Now, I will say, does seem like he's a pretty good cook. So there's that going for him.
0: Yeah, The I mean, there's a reason the Chicken Brothers have expanded.
1: (laughs) Exactly. All right, should we move on to our our best writing uh, before we wrap this up?
0: Yes, let's do it.
1: Okay, um, I will let you go first. Uh, yours, I think, is, is, a, is a, mostly a funny line, but but we can hear that first, and then I'll go into mine.
0: Yeah, let's just do this. As, uh, as Walt climbs out of the laundry bin where uh, Tyrus has smuggled him into the laundry facility. Does the laundry have to be dirty? No. <laughs> I just, I love that so much. Uh, I just love the, the pregnant pause. The tyrus has, or he just yep. looks at Walt and goes, nope. Yep. There's another, there's another
1: funny line in this episode where, you know, after the aftermath of the, the car crash that Walt inflicts upon him and, and Hank, you know, on their stakeout, Walt comes over to Hank, who's recovering with a neck brace. And Walt says, oh, you know, the guy, he came out of nowhere. And Hank goes, actually, he didn't. And it's just like this really dry yeah. delivery of like such a great line, which is like, "Walt,
0: he didn't come out of nowhere. Nope. That was you. Yeah. And that whole scene, I had a little in it to pick on that, which is just that Walt so obviously turned into that guy. Yeah. No, after driving I, was past the laundry. Do. And I was just like, come on. I mean, so sketchy. Yeah. Very sketchy. Agreed. Yeah. All right. What's well, your best bit- writing?
1: My best writing here, uh, you know, the one that I probably could have chosen that I think is excellent and it's just really well acted, too, is the scene between Walt and Saul. Um, But, you know, that that's basically just like a masterclass in acting. So the one I want to talk about here is towards the beginning of the episode. It's a pretty short scene. It's between the the Mexican doctor and Jesse, and they're talking about Jesse's blood type. So we'll listen to a little bit of it here and then I'll explain why I picked it as my best writing. A negative, yes?
0: Your blood type? Um, uh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> A negative, negative. 25 years old,
1: 70 kilo, 180 centimeters. You smoke, you drink, you uh, puff, puff, puff. But no disease, no condition, no complication other than an allergy to Oh wait! Don't say. Erythromycin.
0: But I have sulfasal in here, so no problem.
1: Zach, he does a little puff, puff, puff. Love yeah, that, that was that so funny. Too. I know. Puff, puff, puff. What I what I like about this writing in particular is that it's a really smart way for the writers of the show to get information across to the audience without exactly telling you what what they want you to know. And that information is that Gus is even more meticulous and even deeper into the weeds of all of this than we ever probably knew, and certainly that Jesse ever knew. And instead of directly saying, or having a scene where Gus says, I am prepared. I know exactly what's gonna happen. I am the smartest one. You have a character who we've never met before, who is friends with Gus, explain this information, to another character. I think it's just so smartly done and I love that it's it's so simple. Gus knows more about Jesse than Jesse knows about himself, which means that Gus knows more about almost every situation than he than anybody else knows. And I think that it goes to show the audience one that he's sort of like a supervillain who doesn't have an a, a very obvious weakness. You know, you think about Superman, his 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 weakness is kryptonite, but what is Gus's weakness? We don't know. He seems to be three steps ahead of everybody else. And so we get that information, but also Jesse now knows that information. So if Jesse were to ever think that maybe I could make a move on Gus, if I ever needed to do that, probably not. He, he would, he would have no way of knowing that. So I think it's a really smart way of conveying information to both the audience and the characters in the show without directly telling it, which I always find impressive.
0: Yeah, no, great point. Uh, It's, yeah, it's clear that, uh, Clear that Gus has done his homework through some means other than Jesse answering questions on a questionnaire.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Anything else to add there before we move on to other nits to pick? No, let's pick them. All right.
0: Did you have any nits to pick in this episode? So I already mentioned uh, the one about Walt getting to the crash, but the two other ones, uh, when Jesse is driving up to the, um, to the compound where the medical team is waiting to resuscitate Gus, uh, he's just laying on the horn from far away first of all but then he still continues laying on the horn after he sees the entire medical team outside like why, <laughs> why they see you coming they're all waiting for you with a stretcher why are you still honking at them
1: yeah how many people have pulled up here that they think might be gus poison <laughs> yeah exactly like, like are people accidentally turning down that road and be like, oh sorry that's not that's not for us
0: yeah nope and then uh second where exactly did ted think he was going when he ran into the kitchen and tripped on the carpet like what what was his plan there i mean my reaction was basically the same as huel's which is like he runs past huel and (laughs) huel just looks at him like where are you going dude (laughs) yeah yeah
1: i i think that this is a good opportunity to say just sort of definitively ted beneke is the worst there, He is such a dumb character, like a dumb, like the, the person of Ted Beneke is stupid. He's a bad businessman. He clearly does not. I mean, how many times does Skylar have to sit down with him and be like, they will arrest you. You will go to prison. I, I love the line in this episode where she goes, Walt and I will go to prison where you will already be. It's like, yeah, exactly. Like, why doesn't he get this? He's so dumb. And yes, this is just another example. But he gets his and He runs right into. His is a uh, front entry furniture and bangs his head. Which maybe he will join you, Walt with a concussion.
0: Did you? Yeah, right. Uh, I think it's a little more serious than that. Did you notice yeah, that yeah, he yeah. tripped on the carpet earlier too? Yeah, 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 that was a nice little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly.
1: Pretty yeah, funny. I had. I had just a couple uh, nits to pick in this episode. First, this is not a nitpick, but I just want to do a special shout out to all the wide shots in the New Mexico desert. Love those. They're beautiful. Great cinematography. And we've seen a couple in the past couple episodes. So whenever they're driving someone out to the desert, you know you're going to get some nice cinematography. Um, my my main nit to pick here is what we lo- already talked about, which was Walt acting super sketchy when they're driving to the laundromat. Like maybe Hank doesn't know exactly what's going on, but he definitely should know something's going on. My other nit to pick is small, but Skylar comes into the house early in the episode with a bag of groceries and Holly in one hand, and she's like struggling through the door. When she puts the bag on the counter, there is nothing in that bag. It's like super. It it's like floats down like a feather. That's hilarious. And so. I love when they, you know, you see this a lot in, in movies and TV shows where the suitcases that people pack never look like they've got, like, couldn't they stuff any wardrobe costume piece in there to make it look like it's a full suitcase? No. And same thing here. The bag that she's carrying, absolutely nothing in there.
0: That's funny. I'll have to go back and look at that. I didn't even guess.
1: Yeah. All right, Zach, should we move on to MVP to wrap this episode up? Let's do it. All right, Zach, give me your MVP pick for... Season four, episode eleven, crawl space.
0: Look, I mean, my uh my pick's pretty straightforward. It's Walt and it's it's exclusively and only because of the final scene where he's in the crawl space, first screaming and then doing that maniacal laugh as we uh pan up and the episode ends. Not even for the the scene before it with Saul. Nope.
1: Wow. Okay. I mean that was a good, good scene
0: sure but i mean he didn't need that to win i mean if he if, if his only appearance in that episode was the cross space uh I'd, I'd give it to him
1: yeah okay well i'm gonna give it to walt as well i don't think it's particularly close in this episode i think he he carries most of the major scenes and i agree that that last scene is completely haunting and and you know it's totally totally gives him the win here so i believe that makes him tied with Jesse. They are both leading here the MVP votes with 22 MVP votes apiece, followed by Skylar with 11, Gus with seven, and then a smattering of other characters below that. Of course, Walt Jr., AK Flynn, AK Breakfast, Zero Zilch Never, despite his close call last oh, week. Very close, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anything else on this episode that we missed, Zach? I think we got it all. All right, we will be back soon with the next episode, which is season four, episode 12, End Times. We only have two episodes left in season four before we move on to the final season, season five. As always, if we missed anything, if you want to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at breakingpod at vernacularpodcast.com. We'd love to read some of your feedback on the show. Until next time, I'm Josh. And I'm Zach. Talk to you soon.